wants you to learn it anyway. So if you do have some questions later on and say, I hear it, but I can't really put it together, don't hesitate on Wednesday evening when we are having our Bible study, our round table right here. While we study what does God want, you can text me questions like this from the, Bible, from the text today, and we will address that right then and there. It is so important for me that you get a handle on it. So we not just superficially talk about the resurrection, but really don't know how deep-rooted the battle is and how chaos is being turned into triumph by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want you to open up your Bible to Exodus chapter 12. We're going to read 14 verses out of that. But let me give you a summary of what we maybe as Christians normally understand. We all understand that the, there was a Passover, there was a Holy Week, what we call. It ended with the death of Jesus Christ on the cross as he was betrayed, handed over to the Romans. They crucified him, and on the third day he rose from the grave. He showed up proved that he is resurrected not as a ghost but as a human being having joined the human family for good for eternity he even showed up to the disciples where they're fearful locking themselves into a room and then the bible says the apostle paul explaining to us listen there were even 500 people gathered together at one place and jesus showed up in the midst then for 40 days he walked among them as the resurrected Christ, teaching them the biblical truth, which I'm going to try to teach to you this morning. He didn't have the New Testament. He was going back to the Garden of Eden. He was going back to Noah, he, where, where God had to judge the world, where chaos reigned. He's going back to the Tower of Babel incident, where people tried to get in contact with Elohim's false gods to get knowledge and to actually rebel against God again. He goes back and tells them that the Heavenly Father had no choice but to divide the people into 70 different people groups, which we call nations. And the way he did it, that they couldn't communicate with one another any longer, he gave all of them a, a separate language. So they couldn't communicate with one another. And he dispersed them all over the world. So Jesus explained that for 40 days to the disciples. And he even said to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, I can't get it that you don't understand that all these things had to happen in order to undo the chaos this world has experienced. And that's why I came. And I prove to you by my very existence as a resurrected Lord that that chaos has been undone and the victory has been won. But what does it mean? For you and me today. That's what we're going to look at. It. But before we go uh, into the details of it, let's go to Exodus chapter 12. And we read it together, shall we? The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. That's where they were. This month shall be for you the beginnings of month. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, and shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. 
and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill the lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts, on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire. With unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. Did you recognize that? I will execute judgments on the gods of Egypt? Wow. Well, you say, why do these people were in Egypt to begin with? Well, when God called Abraham out of Ur after the Babel incident, he said, Abraham, I start brand new with you. I'm going to raise up a people that will represent me. All the other 70 nations I have just created, I hand over to lower Elohims, lower divine beings, what we call sometimes angels in the Bible, or what Paul would call principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And he said, Abraham, I'm going to be your God. There is no other Elohim that is your God. I am your God. I will be your shield. I will be your provider. And I will keep my covenant I make with you forever. Keep that in mind, forever. Then God says to Abraham, I know, and I will let you know too, that your descendants will be one day for 400 years in slavery in a foreign land. But then I will bring them back. I will deliver them out of the bondage. And I will bring them back to the land which I have given you. That's what we know as the Holy Land or the land of Israel. Sure enough, time passed. And as God always does, he fulfills his promises. Literally, when God went in, he sent obviously Moses a man which he has prepared. Oh, by the way, you and I, none of us, is by accident where we are today. God has brought you into this world for such a time as this. Don't you ever forget, God doesn't make any mistakes. God made you, God placed you where you are, God has a plan for you, and God wants you not to hide during this crisis, but to shine for Him. He is the one who gets all of us out of that chaotic situation. Where that's going to go today, it does not matter. God has never lost control over it, period. Keep that in mind as we go on. 
because we can't claim that Jesus rose from the dead and we have resurrection power and we are the children of the living God. And then when I look around the world and I see how the Christians reacting, fighting one another, fighting the governments, doing things they never should, supposed to be doing, I'm saying, why do we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ when you act like you are under the rulers of chaos? When God gave you a resurrection life. This is what it's all about. Resurrection life is not just an event. It is the Lord Jesus Christ in person. Working and ruling and reigning in you and my life. And in our families and in our nations today. We don't belong to these 70 nations anymore. God called us out of that. That's what he said to Abraham. Abraham, I will bring these people out. And when these people come out, they will come back to the place, Moses, where I met you. And you will come here and worship me. How did he do it? He still does it the same way. He brought nine plagues upon Egypt. Nine plagues. And Pharaoh, the ruler of the world at that time, the ruler of the empire of Egypt who pretty much dictated the entire world around him was a pawn in the hands of those fallen Elohims and he did their bidding and God said I will take Pharaoh out and I will have victory over the very gods who manipulate the leaders of the world at that time. Nine plagues. Pharaoh was not willing to give up. Oh, how I could connect that to the days which we are living in. What a battle is raging in the spiritual home. But God will deliver his people. And God said, Moses, one more plague. One more plague. And that will do it. And he instituted the Passover. What did Jesus say to his disciples the night before he was betrayed? He said, I looked forward to it. I could hardly wait for the moment when I can celebrate with you what? The Passover. I will not celebrate it with you again until the kingdom of God is fully established. Until he comes. Jesus didn't have the Last Supper with anyone anymore. But one day he will. And what glorious news that will be. So here comes what God says. I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 12. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. That night, God says, I will have victory over the gods of Egypt. That night. And he sure did. Exodus 15. After that night is over, the Israelites get delivered out of Egypt. Moses is singing a song. And in verses 11 to 13, this is what he's singing. They're now on the other side. They just crossed to the water, the Red Sea. Oh, by the way, if you have forgotten, 
It is so important for you to understand that in the ancient Near Eastern language, the word sea or water stands metaphorically for chaos, chaotic. God, kampf, battle, struggle, victory over chaos. Listen to this in verse 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Moses understood. He said, Lord, you are Yahweh. There is no one like you in the spiritual realm. None can compare with you. Who is like you, majestic and holiness, awesome and glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have let in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. There are two elements in there. Redeemed. Have you ever heard redeemed before? You find that in the New Testament again. The Lord Jesus Christ, through his shed blood on the cross, has redeemed you. But Moses sings, the reason why you have redeemed us is to guide us back into your holy abode. That means into your holy presence. We have to look at that a little bit deeper because this is awesome stuff. Yahweh rescued Abraham, then he rescues the Israelites, and eventually he rescues us. Wow. Can you believe that? What does all that have to do with celebrating the resurrection of Jesus? Well, whenever we speak of the resurrection in the Bible, the context and the language always connects to that Exodus story. We do not understand the resurrection of Jesus Christ fully unless we understand the miraculous things God has done on behalf of his people to get them away from underneath the slaveries of the gods of the world, the gods who are ruling the 70 nations. Let's stop for a second before we go deeper into the biblical text. Have you ever felt like all you do in your life is being working like you're in bondage, like you're a slave. Or when the government decides, we're going to lock everybody up. You can't move around for the safety of other people. Do you feel like somebody else is in control of your life? Or when they say, we don't want any church to gather together, not even 10 people. Period. You can't go into your church buildings we don't want you to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ together. Do you feel like somebody else controls that narrative? You say, well, then God lost the battle. Seems like those other evil, fallen, rebellious Elohims are calling the shots to the leaders of the world. Not so fast. Yes, the evil rulers of this world and their masters are calling the shots, but not without God's approval. Jesus looked at Pilate and said, you could do nothing. You want to condemn me to death? You could do nothing unless it passed first to my father's hands. Unless the power and the go-ahead was given to you by my heavenly father, you have absolutely no power. The question obviously is, why does God allow this situation which we are in to happen? 
He approved it. He didn't cast it, but he approved it. Well, I think there may be two issues which we have to address. Because sometimes in the times we're going in, all we hear from people today is, let's uh, give them an encouraging message. But it doesn't ring always biblically true. I think for way too long, most people who attend church on an irregular basis did never appreciate that they could get together with brothers and sisters and stand in the presence of the living God. Sometimes a football game interrupted them and they thought that was more important. Sometimes a business deal was more important. Sometimes one of the children had an activity that was more important. The presence of the living God was not sought at that time, but the pleasure of the world was sought at that time. God said, I can show you how it is without you having that opportunity to go. The second thing God is allowing to happen is the church across the world, especially in the Western world, is claiming to have a lot of faith, but faith that has not been tested is worthless. God is testing our faith right now. Oh, he knows how much we have, how much is real and how much is fake. He knows all these things, but we don't know. When these things are coming down and you and I acting just like the world, we're going for toilet paper like everybody else. We're going and hiding in our little thing. We want to look for the government to give us the, the, the dole out so we can survive. All these things shows God that we need to learn to see the reality of what's really going on in our hearts and minds. For me in my house, I tell you, my friends, my provider is not the government. My provider is God Almighty, the one who provided miracles, the one who made manna, the one who let water come out of the rocks, the one who fed 5,000 when he walked on this earth, the one who he opened up blinded eyes, the one who raised people from the dead. That's the one who is my provider. And the church better wakes up. When this is all done, we may have a third or a fourth of all the churches in America and around the world closed. You say, how dare do you speak like this? We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Yes, there is power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And dead churches have no right to be around. God will close it down. That's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because those who are his need to learn to walk by faith, to walk in faith, and to walk in that power of his resurrection. This is not a time to pull back. This is a time to let the glory and the presence of the living God be in our homes, ruling and reigning. If you have a job and you are thanking God for the job, praise God you have it, let the presence of the living God go with you where you are working. Let the people look at you and say, I don't know what you're doing or what you have, but I feel like there is something in you that is not normal. Because the way you take this crisis, the way you act, the way you look far beyond the circumstances, what do you have? And you say, I'm glad you ask. It's the resurrection power of our Lord Jesus Christ who guides me and leads me through these difficult times. And I have nothing to fear. If he can bring over a million Jews out of Egypt where the demonic powers were ruling them for 400 years, he surely can take you and me out. That's Resurrection Sunday. So you say, what does that all have to do 
with Easter? Well, Easter is actually a secular name. Let's just say it what it is. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which we celebrate. And there is so much power. The power of his resurrection available to his people is the very power that set everything into motion, that created everything, sustains everything, will one day restore everything, will one day call our names when we are in the grave and raising us back in a glorified body, all for his glory. And no hell can withstand that power. Isaiah. We know Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah wrote 66 chapters. We call him the miniature Bible because the Bible itself has 66 books. In chapter 24 to 27, these are four chapters, the biblical scholars call these chapters the little apocalypse of Isaiah. Now we hear the word apocalypse a lot these days. But when we hear apocalypse, we think end time, things are falling apart, chaos. But actually the Greek word has no connections to that. The word apocalypto means unveiling. Showing something which is true but has not yet been seen. And when John the Apostle John is writing the last book of the Bible called the Apocalypse or the Revelation. It means the revelation of Jesus Christ, his power, his rule, his eternal majesty and glory. And that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will have to confess that he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. That's Apocalypse. So when you hear that word from now on, you say, oh, I love to have a little bit more revealed to me, unveiled in my spiritual mind so I get a good understanding. Isaiah did that for us. In Isaiah chapter 24, verses 19 to 23, there's some incredible stuff revealed that is connected to Exodus and connected to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We would never... Go there unless the Holy Spirit is leading us. Listen to this. The earth is utterly broken, he says. The earth is split apart. The earth is violently shaken. The earth staggers like a drunken man. It sways like a hut. Its transgression lies heavy upon it. And it falls and will not rise again. That sounds like it's over. But he goes on and says, On that day... The Lord will punish the host of heaven, in heaven. That's those spiritual fallen creatures who are rebelling against God and leading the physical rebels on this earth to rebel against God. But one day God will punish them and he will punish the kings of the earth on the earth. They will be gathered together as prisoners in a pit. They will be shut up in a prison and after many days they will be punished. Then the moon will be confounded and the sun ashamed, for the Lord of hosts reigns on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. This is not somewhere up in the sky. This is down here on earth. And his glory will be before his elders. Stop for a second there. 
This is happening because Jesus rose from the dead. He will punish the host of heaven, the rebels in the heavenly. He will also judge the national leaders. Everyone is in any leadership capacity. God says you must understand that I have given you the authority to rule, but I also hold you accountable to rule justly and wisely and righteously. When we look at our world today and we see the corruption, we see the immorality, we see the thievery, we see the lying, we see all these things, not just in the political leadership, we see it in church leaderships too. We see it in every leadership. My friend, one day God will judge all these things. Listen to what Isaiah says. And his glory, that's Christ's glory, will be before his elders. What does that question mean? Resurrection. And then putting it together with the elders will see his glory. Well, let me bring you back to Exodus and connect it for you. So that's when I said at the beginning, it might be a little bit difficult. So just hold on, listen to me, I will explain it to you. In Exodus chapter 24, this is after Israel came out of Egypt. They are now at the, se at the foot of the mountain where God met Moses earlier before he gave him the assignment to go back to Egypt to bring God's people out of Egypt. Now they are on the mountain, of, on the, on the, actually at the foot of the mountain. And God is telling Moses these words. Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel come up. He said, when they went up and they saw the God of Israel. Have you ever seen that in your Bible? It's there. Moses and Aaron, Aaron is Moses' brother, Nadab and Abihu were the priests under Aaron. And the 70 of the elders of Israel went up on that mountain where God was and they saw the God of Israel. 70 representing in, in the prophetic picture already that God will eventually bring the 70 nations which he dispersed in Babel and will give them the opportunity to come back to him where they belong and move away from underneath the rebellious Elohim who ruled them crookedly, unrighteously and put them in slavery. The Bible says, there was under his feet, that's under God's feet, as it were a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven of for clearness. And he did not lay his hands on the chief man. That means he did not kill them in his presence. Right? They beheld God. They were in God's presence. They saw God. And they ate and drank. They had a meal with God on the mountaintop. There are a few questions there. Number one, why does God call the 70? Moses and Aaron and Aaron's two sons up there. Well, they were representing Israel. And then how did the meals get up there? What did God feed them? They were in God's presence. They were eating. You said, nobody ever ate with God. Oh, yes, Abraham did too. Abraham ate in God's presence, face to face. See, this is a picture. God just delivered Israel out of bondage. 
He brought him into liberty to follow him. He said, you are not any longer under the rulership and authority of Pharaoh and his demonic influences. I take you out. I am your God. I will lead you. You follow me. I will bring you into the promised land. Then they come to the Mount Sinai. There God delivers them the Ten Commandments. He says, I give you the Ten Commandments. I give you a whole house rules. And then he said, Moses, you, your brother, and these two sons, and the 70 elders, bring them up here so we can have a meal together. Right after he got delivered. So what delivered them, by the way? The Passover lamb. The Passover lamb saved them. They were safe and sound under the blood. We are safe and sound under the blood of Jesus Christ, that new covenant. He was, he's leading us from underneath the Elohims who are crooked rulers in the spiritual and crooked rulers in this world. He's taking us out from there and says, I will lead you into my promises. That's resurrection. He proved that what he said is true. In Moses' instance, he could not hold himself. This is celebration. This is a celebration supper that's happening here. After the gods of heaven have been judged. This night, God says, I will have victory over the gods of Egypt. This night of Passover, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the firstborn son of God, he eventually cried, it is finished. It is finished. That's another way of declaring, this night I will have victory over the gods of this world, over all the rebellious Elohims who rule this world unjustly, and I put those who are, are made in God's image out of slavery. That's deliverance. The resurrection proves that those rebellious Elohims have no power on Jesus and have no power in all those who are found in Jesus. See, when we go to church, normally we hear that the Passover lamb took away our sins. That's true. That's glorious news. He suffered for us so we can go free. But there's so much more to it. Because you and I know, you can come to Jesus, and I said it before many times, you are in the kingdom by faith in what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. You accept that by faith. But are you out of bondage? He gave you resurrection life. Are you out of bondage? Or do you still have so many things which you want to control? Do you have still so many things that have a hold on you that is not bringing glory and honor to Jesus? Is it possible that we still have so many bondages where we believe so many lies? Can't help but think about the times we're living in right now. Now we're finally waking up and saying, who fed us all that garbage that hundreds of millions of people will die of a virus in order to lock us down? Well, if we believe a lie, we act on the lies. See, there's only one ruler the ruler of this world, Satan, who wants us to be locked up and in bondage forever, if possible. But I have bad news for him and good news for you. It's not going to happen. 
That's why Jesus rose from the dead. He proved that that power is broken once and for all. The apostle Paul later on said, Oh, that I may get to know the resurrection power of Jesus Christ more and more. And you and I could say the same thing. Oh, that I am get to know the resurrection power of Jesus Christ working through my life. I can see clearly. I can live in the truth. I can live in the light. I'm no longer in the kingdom of darkness. I'm in the kingdom of light. I have a work to do. I have a very special person. I am from the royal priesthood, from the holy nation, where Yahweh is the ruler. Jesus Christ, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, ruling and reigning everyone who has come under his jurisdiction. How much fear is there available? For those who believe that, not much. Maybe a few doubts here and there, showing our fallenness. But no, my friends. So let me bring you back to that wonderful truth. Why did God call Moses and Aaron and his two sons up with the 70 to the mountain to sit down and have a meal, to celebrate the victory, the celebration meal? It is a foreshadowing of the celebration which Jesus said, I will not have with you anymore until I have established the kingdom of God. And it becomes manifest when he comes back. It's called the supper of the Lamb of God. It's called the merge supper, John calls it. The merge supper of the Lord Jesus Christ and his bride, where we finally are together for good. And what a glorious day that will be. That will be the celebration of God's resurrection, the celebration of God Almighty over the victory he has won. Chaos is gone. This is why you find in the book of Revelation there will be no more sea in the new creation, in the recreation of the new earth. Sea means there will be no chaos anymore. There will be no sickness, no disease, no invalid people. No such thing. It is all glory and glory forever for his glory sake. Oh, that's resurrection. That's something to be celebrated about it. The psalmist says in 82 in verse 8 Arise, O God, judge the earth for you shall inherit the nations. Arise, O God. The word that translated arise, you know that the Old Testament was translated from the Hebrew a long time before Jesus came along into the Greek language. We know it as the Septuagint. And when the translator took that word arise in the Hebrew, they put the Greek word in there, anastasa. That's the Greek word, anastasa. This is the same term the New Testament every time uses for resurrection. For resurrection. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. So, Anastasia is a verb. Arise, get up. But Anastasis or Anastasia is the noun that's pointing towards a very specific event. Can you figure out what that event is the New Testament and Old Testament writers are talking about it? You got that right. It's the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
When is this judgment of the earth, the judgment of the gods going to happen? When is God rising up and judge the earth and inherits all the nations? When will he do that? Well, he's done it 2,000 years ago when he rose. The judgment was executed. But you know what? There is a second resurrection taking place when all these things are physically actually coming to fruition. That's the resurrection of the saints. Blessed are those who partake of the first resurrection. When the body of Christ is going to be raised up and you get your glorious resurrected body. That's when all the earth will be judged. That's when anastasis takes place even down here on earth and we shall rule and reign with Jesus Christ. It is then when the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 21 and 22 says, For us by a man came death, by a man has come also the anastasis of the dead. He proved it, and you and I, while we may go here away from this earth, what we call death, we will be raised up. The resurrection proves it, promises, and it will happen. The day will come when we will get our resurrected body. Or there will not be spiritual bodies. No, no, no. We will have human flesh, but with capacities we cannot even dream of. We will never get sick again. We will never get old again. We will never get frail again. We never thought, oh, what did I was just thinking yesterday? We don't have our brain going in us. We don't need glasses for vision. We will have perfection the way God intended it in the Garden of Eden when he made Adam and Eve perfect. Everything is good. The Garden of Eden will be restored in its fullest, not in that small little area in the eastern part in the Middle East. But the Garden of Eden will be represented in this whole world. And God's people who are a part of the resurrection will rule and reign this earth throughout eternity. There will be no end. Now that is glorious news. That what resurrection is all about. That what this day which we celebrate is all about. We celebrate about God's victories in Egypt. We celebrate God's victories at Calvary. We celebrate God's victory in our own life. And you know what? We're looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb when we're going to be in God's presence eating a celebration dinner together. Until then, my friend, keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't fear. Don't listen to the fake news. Listen to the good news. Let the presence of God rule in your life. Let the Holy Spirit lead and guide you in all the decisions you make. Let His wisdom be yours. Let His blessings be yours. Let He protect you with an with a invisible shield around your family, around your friends, around you, so that virus will not even touch you. Let Him give favors to all of you with Him and with people so you can let your, his light shine in this world and make a difference so you don't have to preach you have to live it before the people and when they ask you why the way you act is so unnatural you say I'm so glad you ask you don't have to perform anything you just have to be that resurrected creatures God made he lives in you my friends you are his representation on this earth. 
and this earth needs that light more than ever. We will come out of this and we will be victorious because of Jesus' resurrection that proved it. May the Lord Jesus bless you, guide you, and give you everything you need. Well, we went all the way back to Exodus. We've seen how Aaron and Moses and these two sons, uh, and that means Aaron's sons, went up and had dinner with God. Uh, we see all these things, how God blessed Israel, brought them out of bondage, just like he brought us out of bondage to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let's finish this uh, Sunday celebration with Aaron's blessings, which actually God told Moses to tell Aaron, bless my people with this blessing. It's straight out of number chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I let you go with the peace of the living God. May the Holy Spirit guide you. May his presence lead you throughout this week. May God bless you, enjoy and celebrate. And I see you Wednesday night, 6.30, right here again. God bless you as you go.